1: A few weeks ago, we did a live podcast taping at the Comedy Studio, which is in this cool outdoor market in Somerville, Massachusetts. I brought out some special guests, and we talked about how we make the show. We read some letters, and we even discussed how season two inspired me to talk to a man with a nice jawline. I hope you enjoy it.
2: And now, welcome to the Love Letters Podcast
1: Live. Please welcome your host,
2: Meredith Goldstein! (laughs)
1: That was very Um, comedy-like. I have to tell you, so it's the Love Letters Comedy Weekend, um, which meant that last night I was co-hosting with Rick Jenkins, who runs this lovely place. And I have spoken to a lot of groups, and I have never been so nervous as I was last night introducing comedians. There is something, first of all, I could only see the front row. Second of all, I had like immediately sweat through my clothing. There's something about knowing that people have arrived expecting you to be funny. Like if I'm funny, usually when I do public speaking, that's like a bonus. Um, It's not the expectation. So I want you to remove that. And even though this is the Love Letters Comedy Weekend, let it be a bonus again. Expect me not to be funny. If I happen to say something funny, I'll have exceeded your expectations. That's how I like to have it. I realized also that I was having a lot of anxiety backstage because I've never done this podcast without taking a break to pee, blow my nose, use my inhaler. and usually we probably make it about 35 seconds and then I'm like, hold on. And then I blow my nose really loud. So I backstage I was like, wait, I should pee now because it's just, it's happening. <laughs> it doesn't stop. So um, I will tell you that this, al- is, this is a live recorded, um, recording of a podcast. That does not mean it is going out right now. It means it's being recorded now and will be very much edited and then put online, which means that I might blow my nose. Uh, And no one will know later. Um, uh, It also means that the inhaler is on the desk, (laughs) as are the tissues. Um, Basically, this is going to be sort of a program of of what we normally do for the podcast, where I'm going to sort of recap what we did this season, have some special guests, and then when it appears Online you will hear some highlights and you will know all the secrets and you'll know what everybody looked like and it will be amazing. So um, I first just wanted to thank you for coming. I, I joke that when I was young, I ne- I declined the offer to have a bat mitzvah because I had no religious education and it felt like a little fraudulent to like pretend I knew Hebrew to get gifts. Which was essentially what my mother was offering and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna take a pass. but. I, uh, the joke is that now that I'm an adult, I keep having parties um, and gatherings like this one over and over in a way that suggests that I've been resentful of not having a massive bat mitzvah my whole life. In fact, when I first had a book party, I wore like a party dress that suggested I was just bought mitzvahed. Um, it was like pink like the color of cotton candy and I was like this is not what an adult author does but maybe I only wrote this book to have this party. Um, so thank you for uh, putting up with the fact that I love to gather people um, and then make them listen to me. <laughs> if only I knew Hebrew I would bless you all. Um, Mark Shanahan my colleague is is here tonight and our favorite Onion article, for those who read The Onion, is, oh no, they're coming into the audience, which is about which is about theater. And and he and I both feel that way when we're at a theater performance and the people start coming into the audience and we're like, oh no, they're coming into the audience. I promise you, I will not come into the audience, uh, but you will see a mic right here. And when I ask for audience input, I would love it if those of you who do not hate that part of the program to come up and share some stuff. And I'll cut it off when, when we're... Um, having time issues, but um, anyway. So anyway, thank you for coming. Um, how many How many of you have been to this venue before? It is wonderful. It is all hooked up to record a podcast. Um, when I first got a tour of this place, uh, the wonderful um, people who run it explained to me that they felt as though comedy club bars did not have to be gross um, with weird drinks. And like flat Diet Coke, uh, in a plastic cup. And they have succeeded in in turning a place into a good date place. Um, The cocktails are fantastic. And last night after the show, there was like a full pickup scene. I would say like people were super attractive also. Uh, it was very odd. So I highly recommend if you're not on a date right now or want to be on a date coming back because I was like, oh, they're all at Bow Market. And every time I talk about Bow Market and I think it's happened on the column, I start to be like Stefan from Saturday Night Live where I'm like, the new hottest club is Bow Market. There's an oyster fest. There's a comedy club. There's a dog sleeping in the comedy club. There's a photo booth. Anyway, I love it here. So thank you uh, to the Comedy Studio for hosting. So um, I just thought I would introduce, does anybody not have any idea what Love Letters is? And they just wandered in here and they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, It has been 10 years. What it has allowed me to do after doing it, so when you first start writing an advice column, you have to have like no imposter syndrome. And that was easier to have with the internet of 2009, where you were like, no, I am amazing because I am online. There was no social media, little did I know. Uh, 10 years later, I I can be a little bit more thoughtful about trends, about things that I've learned, um, why people do what they do. I think a lot about that. Uh, The most common problem I received in the early days of love letters was about snooping. And I write about that in my book, but everyone was breaking into each other's email accounts and text messages. And there was just this incredible widespread invasion of privacy. And someone asked me the other day if that continues on now, um, if people are still doing that, and I realized that I haven't received a snooping letter in a really long time. And I think that's because with social media, we are so plugged into what our partners are doing all day that we don't have to snoop. That like, we know what they ate for breakfast. Uh, we know whose photo they liked, right? So. Um, The real most common problem that I'm seeing now, which was not the case in 2009, um, is dating fatigue. When I started this column, you could date online, certainly, but people were not dating on their phones. There were no dating apps, not really. I mean, there might have been, like, the early origins of that, but Tinder was not Tinder. um, And, you know, what... What wound up happening was that dating became something you could do all day and all night. So the most common letter I receive now is, I am so tired of doing this. And that's why uh, when we started this podcast, when we started the podcast, which was not my idea, um, I believe it went something along the lines of, somebody mentioned a podcast. I was like, well, maybe. And then Linda Henry was like, you have to do a podcast. And I was like, okay. Uh And what I said was I didn't wanna just talk about letters in a room, Um, I wanted to do a narrative. And I actually think I was uh, stupid enough to say I wanna do serial for breakups. Um, And it was clear at that moment that maybe I had never listened to a podcast. (laughs) In fact, at that moment, I went into iTunes on my phone and was like, how do you find podcasts? And someone said to me, that's not where they are. So that's where I came to this from. Uh, but I really did want to focus that first season on the the most evergreen problem I will ever receive, which is about getting over the grief caused by breakup. So that whole season was about that. But when we went into season two, I thought, no, I want to do the question I get most now, which is how do I meet someone in a world where, like, you can be connected to anyone and yet completely disconnected from everyone? How do you make a meaningful connection? I learned so many things that I thought I already knew. Um, it's been a, a pretty interesting ride, but it certainly reflects the kind of letters I get. I just wanted to make a small note, which is that, did anybody listen to season one of the podcast? So there's an episode um, about music. I think it's uh, called The Night I Became Roy Orbison. And in it, we um, interview a colleague of mine, Patrick Garvin, who could not be here this afternoon. And he is such a good playlist maker that I quiz him with what if you have this kind of breakup? What if you have that kind of breakup? and he comes up with a song like rapid fire and um, he, he has a website called pop culture experiment and he just comes up with playlists like every two minutes for any person, any occasion and the music you heard while we, you were waiting was Patrick's curation of songs for us today. So you'll be able to find it online. I will post about it. Um, it star- I knew it was going to be good because it started with Paul Westerberg's waiting for somebody from the movie singles. Um, there's a mashup of Gautier's someone I used to know and Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe, Howard Jones Everlasting Love because he knows I love Howard Jones and in fact he threatened to make the whole playlist Howard Jones because he claims that there's a Howard Jones songs for every uh, stage of meeting someone and being with them. And if you're too young to know who that is, Google him. So season two was actually quite difficult for me because it forced me to confront some of my own problems, God forbid. Um, Amy, our producer, and where's Amy? Amy Padula, who produces the Love Letters podcast and edits out all of the nose blowing, uh, she said, I really want to follow this season someone from start to finish through the episode so that we're not just answering one question, but we get to know someone who's really dating now. And you'll meet her soon. Um, uh, Her name is Erin. And I joke with Erin when I started following her that I began to, like, do this sort of... um, anthropologist in the wild thing where I'd be like, Erin, she's a 44-year-old single woman. She's in a bar, what is she gonna do? And I began to speak of her as if I was not a 41-year-old single woman, um, (laughs) as if I had just, so, uh, in watching Erin navigate her life as a single person who was never desperate to get married, was never certain about what she needed for companionship, but knew she wanted a partner. Like, There's a big difference between not wanting to get married and not wanting to be with anyone. And watching her figure out uh, what that meant in her life and what she was gonna do about it hit far closer to home than I ever expected. Um, So uh, some of the episodes that meant the most to me, um, one was when I got to call my college crush, Matt Dorfman. Another was about work romances because especially in this era, it's so hard to accomplish and to hear from two human resources people about how they broke every rule to be together. It kind of put perspective on when it's not worth doing that. Um, And I say that as someone who has dated in the workplace and failed. Um, And randomly, one of the interviews that, Meant most to me was with one of our experts Wednesday Martin who's written some controversial and fun books about different social communities And what she said was when you have a crush on someone, it's so rare these days that you have to honor that feeling And um, I was thinking about it last night We were here my sister and I were here for the comedy shows and there was a a young man with a very strong jawline Brett's shaking her head because she was not into him um, in fact, she was like, I should wingman for you, but I just don't like him. <laughs> but in the moment, you ordinarily, I would have noticed the jawline and just moved on with my life. But I was like, but Wednesday, Martin said on my podcast that I should honor the feeling. And I turned to Brett and I was like, I want you to know that that man has a good jawline. And everybody was like, okay, you're going to do, you know, but it was just a moment. And I, for whatever reason, I took that very much to heart. So If you see a jawline you like, take a moment. Um, I wanna bring up, uh, this is very weird, by the way, sitting at this desk, it feels very Tonight Show in a way that I'm like, this is the most Jimmy Fallon I'll ever be. And I'm okay with it. Um, Our first guest uh, comes from a town called, actually, where were we born? We were born on the Jersey shore and I don't know where I was born, apparently. She is my sister. She's an easy guest to get because she has to come because she's related to me. And I will say that, like, having uh, a sister who is this funny and charming and interesting is great for me because it means I don't have to do that much. Um, Welcome to the stage, Brett Goldstein. Yeah, you can, yeah. You don't need a coaster. I mean, I don't think Oh, there is a coaster. I didn't even She's so she's so polite. Shit pig. <laughs> um so <laughs> This is very odd. <laughs> um th- for those of you who d- you who don't know, my sister is a casting director. And that puts her in a, a big position of power because she gets to decide who gets jobs, really. Um but I thought it was very interesting this season. I mean, you spoke a lot in the first season about breakups and you are the highlight of many episodes. But in this season, you talk about helping people meet. But part of your job is choosing the right person for a position. And I just wonder how your casting director background influences the advice you give to friends about dating, influences the advice you give to me about dating.
0: Oh, like last night with a guy
1: with a Yeah, jaw? she did not want to cast him in the part.
0: Yeah, because the mother- In the part
1: out. of making out with me, she did not want to. No, wanna...
0: no, because it's like an arch- archetype thing, right? Like,
1: he might be mislistening at some point, so don't. So, be. I mean, who, I don't. I don't even know his he name. Just, I'm. I'm just, just
0: gonna be try, a dick for. I know. Okay. Okay. But... <laughs> Napoleon complex. You could just tell he's a douche,
1: and like, <laughs> like shorter than me. Like, it, it's not going to work. He's, but you know, I love men who are. I don't trust tall people t- in dating because I can't see what's happening. <laughs> like, I I have, a, a, I had dated someone who was quite tall, and I feel like sometimes I was like, what's happening? And he would just look up. And the conversation was over. It's handy for him, but...
0: No, like, what's happening, and then he can be like, oh, like, she's pouring that... Tr- I don't know. Like, there's a, it's nice to have a tall person sometimes. Like, so, like, an average situation. I don't know why... You don't want to...
1: The, well the physical thing was it but you also got a vibe, right? Yeah, I know you got a vibe.
0: Okay. Right because that's the thing. Is that like if someone's a dick on set, I get blamed, right? So you just start to like form the, like I'm going to like a little bit of a rash. Like it's like a, just a little bit of an allergy. You know all that.
1: Okay, yeah. That. So, yeah, like, I do.
0: If someone might be like eh, you just feel it.
1: But how do you advise people like when somebody a friend says to you I'm having trouble picking a partner, or I'm always picking the wrong person. What do you tell them? Because, you know, based on your own experience.
0: Well, generally they it's so hard because I've been doing this for so long, but like I can tell by the picture, often. Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> okay, so like you don't have to be, any idiot can do my job, but this is the thing, after you've done this for a while, you, I, I played this game once with a friend's six-year-old daughter. This is, this is Hope's daughter, Maddie, at the time, right? And I said, I'm casting a six-year-old girl as the lead in a film. She couldn't even read. I was like, just pick which ones are good. Like, look at the pictures and tell me which ones I should call in. She picked every single kid I would have called in. And she could just tell from the pictures, like, who was talented, who was intelligent. She's sick. She's not going to second-guess herself. So when I look, for example, at my best friend's Tinder shit, I'm like, are you are you a fucking idiot? Like, of course this guy is the worst. Like, like, a, like you could tell by the picture.
1: Like. How do you feel about a man in a Tinder profile who's holding a fish?
0: Yeah, I don't know about the well, it, it, the tiger thing is the one where I'm like, bitch. Wait, like where they've
1: what what's? Oh, tigers, right? Am I? Tigers are a thing. Wait, are they doing something bad to the tiger? Or are they just near a tiger? Okay, okay. No, it's not like, like a not like, like a Trump with a tiger thing. in Thailand. Oh, it's more likely to have a tiger than a fish, right? Well, here is, I don't know. New England, there is a ton of fish. Oh, right. I don't know what, what are the these fish these fish men fish have fish caught. It's not in New York. No, these men have caught fish, and they would like you to know. Okay,
0: <laughs> so for the motherfuckers, a cash like that is that a tiger situation? You tell me, huh? Fish.
1: fish. It's no, but fish. I'm saying,
0: is the fish like the tiger?
1: No, no. Less douchey? Oh, my God. It's, it's oh my God. Everyone's like, no, it's douchey it's douchey in the douchier. front row.
0: That's what I would think. Like, if I saw a guy with the fish, I'd be like, oh, shh. Plus, if I, like, that's your future, motherfucker. That's your future. Like like, like Grandpa Chan. Did Grandpa Chan fish? He just had a fish up on the wall, and he's like, you're a Jew.
1: Get that off. <laughs> Come on. You didn't catch that, motherfucker. Like, You can see what we edit out. Um... <laughs> for the for the boston globe podcast <laughs> so okay okay you didn't um, catch that fish like you know he didn't catch it remember that fish in the basement where he caught that one it is, like man cave but it was for like yeah i mean i think it's also hard i mean i think the common thing that people see is that there are many people in one tinder photo right so a wedding party yeah that to me is and lane Moore, who was a guest this season um who does tinder live which i highly recommend seeing uh You know, she likes to play a game called which one is it where there's like a bachelor (laughs) party photo of eight guys. And you have to figure out which is the one guy who's in every photo, which is the one common denominator. Which one takes a certain and the whole sobriety. Oh, my gosh. And the whole audience yells, which one is it? Which it's you never quite know. So I um, love this. Yeah. Um, in episode three, which is one of my favorite episodes of this season, because it's about geography, and it really brought uh, an answer to the question of like, would it be easier if I lived elsewhere? You know, for all the Bostonians who are like, if I lived in New York, I would really have a great partner. And the New Yorkers who are like, actually, you wouldn't. <laughs> um, you mentioned a theory that I thought was ludicrous. And then I got all these emails from people that are like, your sister is so wise. And I was like, but what? But,
0: but uh do you want to explain importing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this one, I married this one. This is this is my husband, Ben, everybody. Ben, everybody. Yeah. Okay, so New York, you don't want to date, especially in New York and LA, and I don't really know what it's like here, but you don't want to deal with this kind of bullshit, epic bullshit in New York or LA, because I feel like people are in New York and LA for themselves and like for their career. They're not there to like, you know what I'm saying, what I'm saying, right? So I just feel like if, look, honestly, if I were dating in New York, I would definitely go for like minimum age 65. Like I wouldn't even think, oh, for sure. I'm like turning 46 in August, I would 65, that would be minimum because I'd be like, like let me just deal because the guys that are my age, it's a whole thing, right? So, like, so if you import, you can get a real mensch. So this one I found, <laughs> I mean, I, I met him at the Bryant Park Holiday Market and I said, I'm having a party in two weeks because I was going over to fuck the friends and family members of my ex-boyfriend who's from Israel, and I said, "Will you come to my party and make out with me? It's my going away party before I go to Israel for a few weeks?" And he said yes, and then he did, and then we did, and then we got married. <laughs> so this <laughs> is like just like, that. Just like um, that. and so I just feel and Ben was from Kingston, which is like I mean really nice. I was like upstate, not really nice, like rich people. he's poor. he's a glass. Block, <laughs> but like, Really nice, like upstate New York, Hudson Valley. Like he's like salt of the earth, amazing guy. Now Ben was born and born and raised in Brooklyn, but only till you were what, like eight or something, right? But he would have been a total douchebag had he stayed there, probably. Like he, like he, he left soon enough. I mean, he was in Westchester, which is also super douchey. But like then he, he ended up like being upstate and being like a really really good guy. And I, or like I just went. I was just telling. Aaron, that I went to Nashville recently and I was told that like this one girl who was married that collects these gorgeous single bearded men as like action figures and I was like wait he's not your gay he's straight he's straight Uh uh-huh so you she's like there's like five of them to every one single woman and the women are terrible
1: I went to Nashville and I just saw a lot of bachelorette parties. That's what I'm saying. They're fucking terrible, <laughs> well, right? They, so like, they weren't from Nashville. I mean, it, you know. it's, it's like
0: one all the women but, but like they're my, one big bachelorette party. So like you guys can be like here, like in Boston, people go to Nashville and bring them home is just what like, you're saying, or like wow, I mean, and they yeah. or like or just or bring them home, but you can just like get them. They're like candy.
1: Yeah, I I, see, I was like, it doesn't seem like you can order up someone like from Amazon just by going like, but apparently, apparently I was wrong based on all the people who emailed me and said, okay. Um, uh, So you heard it here first. If you don't have a partner, you can just import one. I'll tell you where to go. You said Colorado, we went right?
0: To that bagel place in Maine when you took me there for my bachelorette party, and I was like that motherfucker, and he was ordering a bagel, and you were like, "This is about,
1: this is about to get married, dipshit." I wish you would say like two, two. We're gonna have to edit out. Say it once, nice. Say it once, nice. Yeah. Okay. This is this is by the way this is how it works when when Brett and I recorded for the podcast I'm like try it again with no bad words. She just goes nope 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 nope, nope. do it again. Okay, we went. <laughs> And then there's no, then there's no, I've taken away all the vocabulary.
0: Meredith and I, Meredith took me to Portland, Maine. And it was like, I wouldn't call it a bachelorette party
1: because we don't, just, we just, the two just of sat us. around in
0: our, like, It's no,
1: my kind of bachelorette party. Yeah, we just
0: sat and watched TV and then like, but at one point we went to a bagel place because I was still eating gluten. And I was like, that guy's fucking hot. and That guy's hot. I went we went to a bagel place and there was a guy and he was good looking and I was just like that guy is very attractive And this is why I sound like I'm like coke through every podcast episode because it's
1: hard When you hear it it's the fifth time she's done it because I'll be like do it again do it again
0: Nope. no okay and then uh, And then this guy and then I and you were like you're here because you're about to get married stop looking at that guy (laughs) I'm just saying I was like well that one I would import like
1: you Oh yeah no it's true it, you well done. You did really well without the swearing. It's really hard. We were raised in a home where that swearing there were no rules about swearing. So it I think I think maybe the thought was that if it wasn't forbidden, we maybe wouldn't use it. But in fact, it worked the other way. Um, we weren't allowed to have sugar though. <laughs> we, <laughs> which we, would, like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I wanted to um give you a few letters from the the 10 years of love letters uh, before we move on to the next segment where I just was curious about what your advice might be for some of the letters we received because we give sometimes similar advice somewhere we meet somewhere in the middle. Um, so last week on June 4th I received a letter from someone who did, did anybody read I'm moving to Milan he lives in Milan uh, this is a, a young I didn't even see, I didn't even look to the left. Um, from a young woman who was studying in, in Florence, she says, during my last days there, my friend took me out for some fun. We went to our usual bar, and I saw this really cute guy standing near the bar with his friends. Later, our groups were sitting near each other, and we wound up having a great conversation. It was beautiful chemistry. He's a real Italian? He's a real Italian. Uh, he, he told me he was originally from Milan, and was just visiting his friend in Florence, and after some talking, he kissed me, and it was the best kiss I'd ever had. We were loving every moment of being together when he implied we should go further, which is when I told him I'm inexperienced and didn't want to do more. He was understanding and sweet. He said, you're leaving tomorrow, and I'm also going back to Milan. We will probably never meet again, and you should be with someone who can be with you. After we left, he asked for my number and said that if he's ever traveling near me, he'd love to visit. After I got home, I was in tears. It's been four months and he hasn't contacted me, and I don't have his number or any other contact information for him. From the beginning, I was in love with Italy and always wanted to go back, and coming from the design industry, that's the best thing to do. Recently, to advance my career, I was advised to move to Milan. And now I'm actually planning to move there in a few months. I was just couch surfing, planning my move, and I saw his profile. Since then I can't stop thinking about him. What should I do? Should I send him a message or just deal with my thoughts? Because I have no idea how he would feel about me being there or if he actually cares or not.
0: Wait, when you say saw his profile, we don't know we don't okay, we don't we don't know
1: like Well, one commenter said like were you just walking by it? Like You just happened to find the profile of the man you had no contact information with. I was just wondering,
0: like, isn't there this thing, like, where there's a, what's the website? There's a website where you can, like, couch. In other words, is that the profile? Like, it's Mm -hmm. basically, you can sleep on my
1: couch. (laughs) I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe. That's not (laughs) recorded. That's true. Fair, fair. Um, What advice would you give, even if she did find him through that? So she's asking, uh, should she reach out? Why wouldn't she reach out? Interesting. Hold on, wait, why? Wait, what did I
0: miss? Hold on, this guy, we don't know if this guy is like, with an all we know is this guy did not, we're assuming this is a woman, right?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a woman, yeah. Okay, because you, you taught me about that, don't always assume. You don't always assume, yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, we're having an yeah. audience, I love this. So, wait,
0: so, we, so basically the guy was like, I'm not gonna sleep with you because like she's like a virgin and I don't wanna like deal with this. Right? Like, that's kind of what she was saying, right?
1: Yeah, like, he's not going to have a one-night stand.
0: Yeah. Right, like, this is not a good idea. So, like, yay. I don't know. I had sex with some, like, real Italian guy off of Craigslist. Remember that? I think I talked about that in one of the... the, Yeah, uh, you
1: did. You did. Yeah, yeah. But what you're saying, you don't think he's going to get the text and say, oh, God. Or the message and say, oh, now she's... Stalking my ass and, like, no tear from me. I
0: don't give a shit. Like, here's, here's the thing, like she can just be like, I know this is like creeptastic, but here's the funny part. Like, I'm actually like, I just got sent here like, I'm working here. Like, I just think that like if she, if she approaches this like a friend, at least she can feel it out. One thing that, that, that... why would he contact her if she lives in America? Why not? But because... Why She's, not? I mean that was well, But she was never talking about moving there, right? She's like, a well, virgin the con- was I was t- like, nah, and he's I will, just like, eh, nah, you know, I, I'm I'm sort not of, all virgins are like, nah, I'm just saying that like they were making out and he was like, Okay, I'm gonna pump the brakes and then like I mean, what did he Can you go back? What did he say to her?
1: He said you should be with someone who can be with you.
0: Yes. But like, but what did he say to her about contacting her in the future?
1: If he, he like? was traveling there. But he's right. Right, I mean, exactly, so exactly i right, right. I did say something similar. I said she should she, like she should reach out, but not with the assumption that he was then going to like be her husband, and that um, yeah, oh, funny. but I did th- one thing that the co- the commenters did not believe she was randomly moving there. Um, oh great, okay, um, by the way, I got a text from Mark Shanahan during this, and i i it was just it was just a picture of us, which was nice, but when you get a text during a live recording of a podcast, all you're thinking is is a body part of mine showing, and is my and is my friend trying to tell me to cover it up? And that's why I just checked my phone, because I was like, what if, um, there was a comedian last night who had his fly down the whole time. He did, he had his fly, he's so talented. He was very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway. Um, Mark Shanahan
0: looks hot today. Yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, yeah, no, but a lot of the commenters, number one, did not believe that the woman was actually moving, like they believed she would, had come up with a story and was really moving for him. And number two, that it was too random that she'd wind up in oh, that part so of they Italy. they think she's lying in the letter. They way. think she's lying in the letter and lying to herself. They also said, one, part, one piece of advice that I really did like that I had not given was that they said, you're just couch surfing. When you move there and establish yourself and know some people, then you can reach out. Like, deal with your stuff. And I liked that piece of advice. Like, I'll be moving there. Are you there? Are you available to me? was like a bit much for them.
0: I agree with that. Yeah, um, I loved get that. Get your it's act nice. together. Get your act together. And I mean, if she's crazy enough to write that to you, she's gonna boil a bunny in his kitchen.
1: Listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's when you're in it, it's it's more difficult. She might be here tonight. Who knows? Um, uh, well, actually, she's couch surfing in Italy. I imagine. So I mean, why is she couch um, surfing?
0: If she is like a don't.
1: I'm. Why is she couch surfing? Well, we don't know. We don't know. She's looking looking for a place. Looking for a place. Okay, so I'm gonna do one more. Yeah. It? Okay. Um, Okay, th- this next one is from 2018, uh, and I loved this letter. It's, uh, the headline was, he doesn't post pics of us on social media. My boyfriend and I have been together for about seven years now. Last year we took a break for a few months and then decided to get back together. Ever since we have gotten back together, nothing has been the same. His behavior has changed. He no longer takes pictures together and posts them on social media, invites me out with his friends or family, or even just asks me to be his plus one. I believe he could be the one for me, and I really do love him. I just hate being so jealous when he goes out and doesn't ask me to go with him. I just like having to watch him share it all on social media, the fact that he's out with his friends. I feel like it's, I feel like that's something I can't force him to do with me, and I understand that his friend's time is time for himself, but if he, says he sees me in, but if he says he sees me in his life in the future, don't you think he'd bring me, the girlfriend of seven years, to family dinners and friends' outings? I'm trying to understand why I get so jealous when he's around his friends and I don't get asked to come along. So to me, this was like two things, right? There's the I'm not being asked to come along, and then the issue of social media, which to me is something else.
0: I mean do you agree that like I just I feel like we can both agree this guy sounds like a real piece of shit
1: well yeah like that's sure fair, right? uh yeah. so um I can't say this guy's a real piece of shit in the globe so that's not quite what I said um what did you say? I said well the first thing I said was that you know there are, I I, I talked to a lot of couples about social media and I have friends who have been upset that their partners don't post enough about them right and so the first thing i said was separate from this man not everyone wants to share that part of their life especially if they're in a relationship where there have been breakups and getting back together. So it's like it's it's not a narrative that's always meant for everyone or
0: when you're like like i would say i mean we are like you know, for as slutty as i for as slutty as i am from like the neck up and it's pretty bad like me too has been a horror show for mm. me um you know mark like mm. but but i with with uh with you, it's like I feel like I mean I am obsessed with you. But with, how often do we really take pictures of ourselves? Or it's like once you get to a certain point in a relationship, you just don't really think about it. But that's not this.
1: Yeah. So my thing was, it's actually not really about the social media. You should be invited to things and a part of that. Per- it, it, it's the clearly the even, the insecurity right, of the relationship, right? Yeah. But I also think you know, and this is just separate from this. I also think that when couples, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, stop that. No, there are still, there are still Globe subscribers in this audience. Oh my gosh, you poor things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, so interesting. So we agree on two. Um, okay,
0: so now... What did you say? Did you say, like, break up with this bitch? What did you
1: say? I uh, Rarely do I say you must know, do X or Y. And, and honestly, because, you know, when you get 200 words of a letter, you're getting a piece, and a piece of information, and you're often missing a lot more. And so... Um, I wasn't as overtly, you know, um, break up with him. Like,
0: I feel like, like when we get like when we're like old Jewish ladies, yeah. like, I want to have an advice column with you where I'm just like, you know, die, or, yeah. Like, yeah. whatever. Like you're Counter- just like counterpoint,
1: know, know, right? <laughs> you're the doctor, right? My right. Adam Carolla. Yes. Like, uh, I don't, yeah. yes. um, don't want to be when, Dr. Drew. I don't oh, want I mean,
0: but sucks. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, he's, he's hot though. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. Um, just before we move on to the next segment, was there one podcast story in anything in season two that stuck out to you? Yes. Yes.
0: Like, cause you know I've fried my brain with drugs, but the hearing, like the the, the memory of the Matt Dorfman thing, of you talking to me about it, and then and then hearing you tell the story again, and then you acting like a fucking idiot, that was amazing.
1: Like, you well, like... I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> And I should have you, known so when you
0: get when you get all giggly and stupid and you were like so stupid on the once she um she interviewed Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel, right remember oh, for I, love I was man? yeah and she she was just like, me in room with a, <laughs> for like two straight hours yeah. and like it was so oh you cute.
1: should listen to the transcript of uh, the audio of my Robert Pattinson phone call I
0: have it's amazing it's
1: terrible yeah, it's um, my voice starts getting higher and higher and higher
0: yeah you have like a speech impediment with allergies and then you have like yeah, a, a, a then your, your voice when
1: you, when you we'll get back to the live show so after a short break. So after I brought my sister up on stage, it was time to bring out another special guest. If you've listened to season two, you know exactly who I'm talking about. The one, the only, Erin. Um, yeah. Okay, Erin, cool. where are you? Come on up. Woo! Where are you? Yay! She comes with a full drink like a smart woman.
2: It's because I gave Brett my drink and it's been over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um.
1: Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me up here. Uh. So. Uh, when I, we had a love letters anniversary party a few weeks ago, and people kept coming up to me and saying, "Is that the Aaron? Is the Aaron here?" <laughs> um, which was really exciting. And I I've received many emails from people, who. Um, who felt very connected to your story. So I just wanted to start by talking about how you got involved in the podcast because we did not know each other before this started. Um, So why don't you tell everybody how this
2: went down? Sure, Um, well, I'd read Meredith's column throughout the years and, um, but then I saw her book was coming out. So I signed up for her mailing list to go to a book event. And so I happened to also sign up to see her, um, not knowing it was her, interview Catlin Moran for her new book last year. And then I went to an event the very next night to meet Meredith for her book event. So I was like, hey, I was at your event <laughs> last night, but I'm not a stalker. Um, but I was like, oh, I love Catlin's advice for playlists. And and then I, uh, Meredith was thanking people for coming, and I wanted to ask the question of like, what do you do if you've tried everything and you are about to give up, but you're like, you, you want to meet someone, so you don't want to just sit on your couch. And so I wrote her a letter, and it was just really brief, and then she said, well, I want to, Post this in my column where you write more so um, a few days later i wrote more and that was about a year ago and i didn't hear anything so i was like oh, okay and then mid-october she emailed me and said well i have this proposition and you can say no uh, do you want to be part of the second season of the podcast and i was like yeah because i, <laughs> I mean, love podcasts because i'm a dork and also because i just love storytelling and i love hearing people's stories and I thought, like, my experience was so common because I have a lot of friends who are in the same position and have tried men and women who have tried a lot of ways and um, are really frustrated. And I was like, I know no one has the best answer, but at least, um, you know. So, Mer- I, so I said to Merritt, we had a phone call, and I, I think I was calling, she called me, and I was at Wegmans or something, and I'm, like, <laughs> at the massive salad bar overwhelmed. And I was like... I don't think I'm the right person because I've deleted my profile from everything, not just the app from the phone, which I probably did every other day. But I was like, I'm not even I'm not there. And she's like, no, let's let's try it out. And I was like, all right. So I was like, I hope this isn't a disaster. But um, but it was it wasn't so.
1: Well, it was when I received the letter, I, you know, so I had met Aaron and when the letter came in, she said we met at this love letters event at harpoon and so i knew who it was and i kept not answering it because i i like wanted to save it and it was really when amy our producer said that she wanted to follow someone i was like i know who this is and it was important to me um to have someone on the podcast who would be um honest about how difficult it was uh would also have perspective and i will tell you that it's it's not that I don't believe it's easy to date in your 20s. It's not. In fact, I think in some ways it, it can be said that it's harder. But I didn't know what kind of empathy. When, when we have a 20-something letter writer, people are like, you just wait. Or like, you know, it's like they're like, you know, and, and and what's fascinating, which, yes, but so for in episode nine, we talked to a woman, Nicole, who I used to work with, and she's the one who took all the classes. And at, back in the day, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, she's like 27, and she will not shut up about needing to be married. But the bottom line is now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, here's the thing. Nicole wants, wants to get married. She wants to have children. I, it was on me to to make the judgment because, frankly, she was looking for a partner, met someone right before she turned 30. She's now getting married at 36 and wants to have 35, 36, and wants to have children. So, like, there was nothing – it's not that she was couldn't be alone. She just – knew what she wanted and there's like absolutely nothing wrong with that and in your 20s it's so difficult to find someone uh, I think who it's harder to ask the question what do you want because it's okay it, it seems more okay not to have an answer whereas you know in your 40s when somebody I can Im- imagine that people are who they're going to be uh, but it was important to me that you were not 23 and dating in Boston and that you had a real perspective um, and just for those who don't know can you sort of tell us where you were when you were coming into this in terms of where you were in your singleness. Your singleness. (laughs) I say that again like the anthropologist. As a single woman living in Boston. I was just super
2: single and, you know, but I, because, you know, I'd never been married so people would be like, oh, you haven't even gone through a divorce? Like, you know, and I was like, (laughs) I know, I haven't weathered that storm because I made a decision to, you know, uh, maybe not take... The first or second opportunity that maybe could have been a marriage but um i think i was definitely like realizing i was getting older and so i had to think of like you know and i'm an only child so i was like all right i gotta think of how i'm gonna navigate life as an older person and a single person and like you know i have my small 401k but i don't have a double income to fall back on so um I started switching my mindset to, like, my community of friends and and not thinking, not so much focusing on possibly having a partner where we would support each other in the future. And so when I came into this, I think I was a little more um, relaxed about it. Plus, I also had, you know, a team behind me, which I talk about on the podcast, which we talk about, which people don't get, you know, and... um, so I was still single, but I was open-minded, like I, you know, constantly am about possibly meeting someone.
1: There were a few things we did together that didn't make the podcast. Um, oh. <laughs> and just just for time purposes, and and um, one thing that I wanted to explore was that, I don't know if it, any single people have been told this, like, you should go to a museum. <laughs> My friend Pete said that to me once. I, he said, I always thought you'd meet someone at a museum. And I was like, really? like. In like the gift shop, like in looking, like I have a really short attention span, so I'm not someone who's like sitting at the MFA and thinking about life. So I was, but he was like, you know, like a smart guy, someone who's at a museum. Uh, right? She just said that's Pete. It's true. He's not here. I can make fun of him. So, um, but I have heard that a lot, and and and, but specifically when people say that in Boston, they're saying they say, "Have you been to First Fridays at the MFA?" And I'm like, "Is that?" And so. When I was in my 20s, I went with roommates to the First Fridays at the MFA. And when I told people I was taking Aaron to places to meet people, people would be like, have you been to First Fridays at the MFA? <laughs> has anyone in the room been to First Fridays at the MFA? Has anyone, has anyone- One of the
0: hot guys that have been to
1: First Fridays. Like, has anyone met someone they went on a date with at First Fridays at the MFA? J- only Aaron. Um, so, and, and First Fridays at the MFA is, lovely, I highly recommend it, but the idea that it's like a secret single so it's not. So we went, explain what we did that didn't make it onto the podcast.
2: So we went to one of the third Thursdays at the Gardner Museum and I'd never been and I was, I wanted to go because I felt like it was a better, possibly a better mix of people um, in my limited knowledge of what, I don't know, but um, anyway, I thought it'd be different, I was like, cool, so we met there on a Thursday night, and it was it was winter, and so <laughs> Meredith had been.
1: At oh, I was shooting the commercial for Primark, the sponsor of season two <laughs> of the Love Letters podcast. Hashtag Primark, hashtag They're by Primark. To- um, so I had been in like I was like out of my mind.
2: A shirt to wear. Sure. That a shirt you can to get wear. Spaghetti
1: sauce on that you can just get spaghetti sauce on, <laughs> and it's all in there. It's all in. there. Oh my god.
2: You listened, you I really did. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, and I was, so she had come from this long shoot, so we're like, all right, let's get a snack first. So we sat in the restaurant, and so because we sat and had dinner, we missed the entire event a little bit. So this is the thing, <laughs> like, like, oh
1: shit, like, because we just didn't know. I will derail anyone potentially ha- having sex. Anyone. <laughs> she- and I will do it with food quickly. Like, I got there and I was like, I have to help Aaron meet people but there's a restaurant here. <laughs> you did that to me in high school. You like would you you Cuz like, everyone would always off. rather just have a nice meal. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So it was good to, it was good to go and just to catch up and I did do a couple of the events that were were left, but um it was good to go and see it. It was it was really busy and but it wasn't quite the pickup crowd. It wasn't people were there together either as dates or as group of friends. So it had a nice vibe and I was really excited to see so many different artists from the community and um, with their families and just different kinds of people. But, and I was like, okay, I'm glad we came and tried it sort of. And then I would, I would go back um, and try it out.
1: I mean, one thing that I was told that night was that depending on the theme, the crowd is very different. And and this was another thing that I learned. It's like when you're at an event like that and you're looking for single people on behalf of someone else, I had like a whole new lens. Like I'd see a, a man walking around and I, then I would like kind of follow him a little bit and be like is he with anybody what's he doing what's he how would I talk to him and this is not something I mean I think it's in episode four that we went to the bar and I realized for the first time in my life um, we were with my friend Sarah and I was like for the first time I'm looking for wedding rings oh yeah just to, because I didn't you know this is something I probably should have noticed before in my life but I never had but of, of all the things we talked about doing um what did you think was there anything that surprised you to to do that with a team or something that that felt intuitively right to do or wrong to do? I mean, I feel like we we did all sorts of things, and I think you mentioned in the in the final episode thinking that when we asked her to do this, that suddenly all these amazing things were going to happen, and then it was like same shit different day.
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think I was delusional, obviously, but I was like, I've never done this, so this would be great. Um, because you're like, I I still hold on to a bit of positive positivity because you have to um, no I mean I'm glad I got to take a class because everyone tells you to take a class and so we showed up on a rainy Sunday morning and it's all in the podcast it's all older couples and I was like oh shit I was like I picked the wrong one and I was I was like freaking out because I was like I made them come here that you were you had just been sick Scott was sick and they were like it's cool and so I just calmed down and was like I'm just gonna take in the experience and maybe this will be good on a date down the, down the road.
1: But I do think it's important to note about the class, which is that it was an $80 class. Yeah. So that's two tickets, $160. The Globe paid. Yeah. They, they I don't know if they've noticed that they did, but they absolutely did. And that's the kind of thing where I thought in that moment, if we were two people who signed up for a class only for the purposes of meeting someone and we had paid that money, we would have been yeah. pissed. So like... It has to be something you want to do anyway,
2: right? And that's a lot. what we talked about. And so it's like, it was great because it wasn't on my bill, so I wasn't yeah. it, like, I just wasted this money, but um.
1: by the way, the Globe did pay for Aaron's OK Cupid, um, for my, which is like the weirdest. How oh, much
2: longer they gonna pay Probably like that, another but... month.
1: But it's like, but it's like oh, the weirdest thing to expense. Like when I filed my expenses, I was like Aaron's dating profile. Um, one funny thing that, I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me was that I kind of thought that as the podcast aired, I might hear from people saying, I would like to date Erin. Uh, and what were we going to do about that and how would we vet those people? And what, I, one of the reasons that has not happened beyond the fact that I have now read the demographics of the podcast and it is, it is a lot of, of women, um, <laughs> which is weird because the column is not. It's very split. Um, but the podcast is is women and young women. But um, but also because people seemed to think that I had met Aaron, filmed in a, or recorded an entire season and then aired it like Survivor. Like everybody knows who won, but they're not going to tell you. So you, do you want to talk about your own friends? Yeah.
2: My friends were like, oh my God, do you get married at the end? Is that, does that happen? Are you married? Have you gotten married? And I was like, guys, I'm here. Like <laughs> Like this is happening... You know, in real time, and Meredith would tell me that people think it's a setup. I'm like, oh
1: my god. My own friends were like, what happens? And I'm like, I don't know. She hasn't gotten back to me. We're, we're, you know, I would say that what you heard in the podcast was like a, what would you say, two to three week delay. I mean, there was a delay, but not, not. It wasn't like it was done. Yeah. Um, And in fact, when we had our last follow up for episode ten, it was only probably. Like a week before, oh yeah, it was a week or
2: two weeks we had recorded and then aired.
1: Um, So when we left you, um, you had been on some dates with Art Dad. So how would you classify, without prying too much for posterity? How would you classify yourself right now?
2: Um, I'm still single, uh, (laughs) and uh, I'm still on OkCupid Cupid as a paying member for another month. And um, after that, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Okay, so <laughs> just super vague, and I'm sorry about. that.
1: Okay, that's okay, but that I think answers the question. Um, I wanted to ask one more. How are we doing on time? Uh, one more question, um, and this can be for both of you. Um, I think it was last week that I was reading the story in the Atlantic by Julie Beck. Does that sound snobby? That I'm like, I was reading this story in the Atlantic. I'm going to fuck with you. At no, well, well I, I I wanted to talk to you both about it because when I read it last week, I was like, I, I need to talk about this on a podcast and we were already wrapped. So I was like, this will be in the bonus episode. But the whole story was about um, the, the concept of being ready for a relationship and how uh, she even goes uh, into when that phrase started being used. That it was not like, if you sort of search the history, no one in the 1940s was saying, I'm not ready for a relationship, no, no, right? No, no, no. And so they track when it starts to happen, where it's like in 1950 it starts to, it starts to be uttered. Really? Um, yeah. I'll I'll send you I'll send you the link. Um, I can't read that. What? Huh? It's just too long. It's too many
0: words. It's too many
1: words. Well, okay. I'll I'll I'll, I'll boil it down for you. Uh, but then it's a hundred percent, hundred and forty percent more by 2010, um, and she talks to this professor of history and family studies at Evergreen State College. And this woman says this is likely because of a reversal in how people think about marriage and commitment that occurred over the course of decades. The timing of the word is just about perfectly aligned with a sea change in people's conceptions of marriage. It used to be that you got married in order to grow up, settle down, start saving up for a future home, move away from your teenage preoccupation with yourself, and learn how to handle a relationship. Now you are done. You do it all on your own. Like, I am not in a place in my life where I'm ready. And I it, it informs so much of how we date. I've used this, like I'm not ready. I'm not my best self. I'm not a finished product. But I think it can be really um, damaging because it's as if we're supposed to be done growing, you know? And I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that, especially, you know, because one of the things I've loved, I've learned so much from Erin and love spending time with Erin. And this could have been super weird. I could have picked some person where I was like, I don't like her. And instead I'm like, instead I'm like, what's Erin doing? Does Aaron want to come? Um, Good casting. Yeah, good casting. Right. Uh, So um, but Aaron can do something that I can't do, which is to do two things at the same time. Um, In the middle of this podcast, you lost your job and that sucked, um, but was absolutely for the best. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person where I'm like, well, I can't date right now, I'm working on a, a book. Well, I can't date right now, we're recording the podcast. I mean, there is like many. there are many reasons, but the idea of um, investing my emotions into many things at once, like I'm not ready, comes up a lot because I'm not done with the thing I'm doing. And at no point did you say, I have to stop doing one thing because I'm doing another thing. And that, that meant a lot to me to, to see. So I wanted to know what you think about that.
2: Um, I just felt like maybe I compartmentalized things. So when I lost that job, as I talked about a little bit on this podcast, but more on the science of happiness, I'm always looking for the right job. So it's like if I put up, and I'm always looking for a partner, so it's like I've learned to juggle a lot of things at once, which, um, but... (laughs) I guess I'm just so used to it, the ups and downs of employment and the ups and downs of dating. So it was just par for the course, but you know, it was the science of happiness that I wrote right away and was like, I just lost my job. I can't do the exercise that you've given me. Cause it's, I don't like it and it's making me depressed.
1: Yeah. For those who don't know, Erin did a crossover episode with another podcast, the science of happiness. And they talked to her about her employment.
2: Yeah. And so they gave me another exercise. It was way better. And I could incorporate it. So, um, I guess I just, I felt like the podcast was um, just a bigger part of my life and more important than any job would be. Um, and so I wanted to, I didn't feel like it would be hard to navigate. It's not a great answer, but um, I just, I guess I've been doing both for so long that I was used to it. Okay. but do you have anything, thoughts on
1: just the whole waiting, I mean, waiting until you are a finished product? To, because some of the best couples I know met quite young and they were able to really grow together. I know it's making me think a lot
0: about Ben. So Ben's like like almost 10 years younger than I am. So like, um, but but yeah, I mean like he was so 38 and 28 when we got married, and it just makes me think of like what an absolute train wreck I was. At, I mean, I don't remember 28 at all, because I was probably drunk or something. But like I don't but like even like I mean, I was like super duper like doing weird shit in bathrooms, like like until I was like what, 33, <laughs> 32, 33 or Whatever. So I, I, and I remember being in a 10 year relationship, right? Where I was like, wait, marriage? What? What? And it wasn't that I didn't necessarily want to get married or I wasn't even sure about having kids. It just never, I don't know. I just, I was just like, I don't know. I just don't think about it. And then, but then by the time I remember on our first date being like, do you know how old I am? And, you know, because we didn't meet on, online. It's so the
1: like, best thing. I like to say that on first dates do you know how old yeah. I am? and he was like, super sexy. 30?
0: Like, like, you know, cause it, and, I, and I, I don't know. I mean, it was just like a weird thing. Cause I was like, look, this is what I want. Da, 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 da. But I, I don't know. I always, um, I don't, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but like, I, I always kind of feel like I'm so happy that I did it at 38 and I, and that I, because I, I just feel like I, I just didn't have all the, the mishigas, right? Like I knew that's your Yiddish word of the day if you didn't know that. Like I was not so fucked up in the head at 38. Like I, I had my act together more so and I wasn't doing weird shit in bathrooms as much and <laughs> like which is fine. But like, you know, I I just I don't know. I I felt like I, I had it I, I I was really I was re- I really felt like okay. Yeah. Yeah I mean I see it both ways I knew I, myself. I yeah. see
1: that, but I also like the thought that you can do weird shit in bathrooms with someone and grow oh, with we them. We've done weird shit in like <laughs> yeah yeah. In I should bathrooms. I shouldn't have said it yeah, that way. I'm yeah. inviting it. Can I
2: can I yeah. also say that um I guess I also could could continue to do it bec- and look for someone because I felt like I sort of I was like well the job stuff's kind of a disaster but I still sort of know who I am and know what I want in a relationship so I was like I'm better footing you know I was yeah. like, so
1: well for Erin's participation this this season, I got her gift bag of some dumb stuff, so. um, And I just want to say the one thing that did not make its way into the podcast that I deeply regret is that after Erin lost her job, I met her at a bar and she came in and she said, I got bangs. And if there is any statement that overwhelmingly is an example of what one does and says when they are going through many life transitions, And, in fact, I immediately texted uh, Amy and our other producer, Scott, and I wrote, Aaron got bangs. (laughs) And Scott wrote back, get audio.
2: (laughs) So can I just say that um, I saw Tan France a few nights ago. (laughs) Woo! With some girlfriends who were here. It was wonderful. He's lovely. So, anyway, he, he wrote this book, which I started reading. It's wonderful. Everyone should get it. And he wrote um you know he writes advice and he has a lot of girlfriends he's like please don't come to me crying when you give yourself bangs i'm tired (laughs) of hearing it you know what's gonna happen just don't get bangs but don't put me through that (laughs) and i was like tan understand so yeah yeah, i got some bangs yeah it's all it's still crazy but
1: um with that uh You guys made my first live podcast taping episode very easy. So thank you. Um, uh, When you. Thank you to Aaron. And thank you to Brett for everything. Um, The three of us will be around Um, mingle, get drinks. What's the drink you were drinking? What's it called?
2: either blind or deaf and a guy's name. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> Just I'm the Jonah list Jonah. of things I'll be, yeah. It's a blind Paul.
2: Thank you. It's delicious.
1: It's delicious. Please get it. Um, and uh, please return to Beaumarket and the Comedy Studio. Thanks to them for hosting us. Thank you. You guys are wonderful. Have a great night. Thanks again to the Comedy Studio for hosting us and to Eli Levy for recording the live show. Our production team includes Amy Padula, Ned Porter, and Scott Hellman. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. We're online at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.